0: Everyone, Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics. I'm your host, Michael Fragan, here on the Nachum Segal Network, nachumsegal.com, and around the world on Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And here we are. It is November the 10th after Election Day, and what a wild ride it's been. If you had to write the story, the crescendo, the climax, the finale was as good as the story, not just for entertainment value, but For political value, the lessons learned, the kind of things that we see from this election that are so incredibly unusual, and it's just – well, it's just shocking. It's not just shocking that somebody who had never before held elected office managed to win the presidency. Somebody who was so – viewed so unfavorably by so much of the country has won the presidency. Someone who didn't raise enough money, somebody who seemingly didn't have a campaign organization, somebody who continued to commit gaffe after gaffe, mistake after mistake, defied all the traditional rules of politics, attained the Oval Office. It's not just that. It's the aftermath of the fact that the country is so incredibly divided and The presidency rested on such small, small margins of victory in a number of key states, and the electoral map has essentially been turned on its head, as many promised it would be. But of course, I was skeptical. So first and foremost, congratulations to Donald Trump and his team, particularly to Kellyanne Conway, who you can see the incredible difference of the Trump campaign since she took over the Discipline that was instilled, maybe it wasn't Kellyanne, maybe he just realized he wasn't going to win unless he kind of did it. But then also the electoral day collapse of the Clinton camp, of the Clinton campaign, I think was just spectacular in, well, essentially contributing to what happened. And a lot of people are going to attribute this to a huge Trump surge. Yes, there was a Trump surge, if you will, in many areas, but what comes down to, at least in initial analysis, is a vast Clinton underperformance vis a vis Obama numbers in 2012. Remember, let's not forget, in 2012, we went into Election Day, and many observers, not just Republicans, but many out there, figured that Mitt Romney was going to walk away at the presidency. And not only did not win, he actually got beat pretty badly. By President Obama, the Obama the so called Obama coalition came out to vote, meaning suburban highly educated whites or not necessarily well Romney ca- carried the highly educated whites, but you know women, minorities uh, uh, working class, and a lot of people who and especially young people came out to vote for Obama in two thousand and twelve. They came out to vote for Clinton but not in the numbers that she needed, and we'll go through some of the key states and key localities where they did not perform. They did not get out there for Clinton, causing her to lose states like Wisconsin, like Pennsylvania, like Florida, which essentially doomed her chances for the presidency and had you know a, a little bit of a better turnout in some of these cities and some of these areas – would have changed the electoral map overall overall, and of course the counting is not done in certain cases, but overall, it does seem that Hillary Clinton has won the popular vote, and not only that, it does seem that uh, it does seem that she 's won it by a couple hundred thousand. It also seems that Donald Trump underperformed Mitt Romney in two thousand and twelve, yet Hillary Clinton vastly underperformed Barack Obama. In 2016, vis a vis 2012. So let's back up for a second. Let's kind of take it all in. You know, we'll go over a couple points. Of course, we don't have hours and hours to talk about this. You only have another, probably another 25 minutes or so to get, get through a lot of the election analysis. But I want to take you through some of my points, some of my understandings, and hopefully we're. I am actually going to start by analyzing some of the Senate races as well, Senate and some you know a couple of key House races where those always get underlooked uh, or overlooked, I should say that's the right word. They always get overlooked by people going ahead because everybody wants to know about the big enchilada what happened in the presidency. Um, one state actually remains uncalled; that is New Hampshire. Um, that just uh, it won't be relevant ultimately to um, the margin of victory, but Hillary. Clinton leads by like a thousand votes right now in New Hampshire or something like that. Um, Also pretty incredible as far as how that, you know, how New Hampshire voted. Uh, Hillary Clinton seemed to underperform there um, vis-a-vis her modeling. But look, who knows exactly what they did. I mean, if I'm looking at this right now, I'm looking at a Republican Party, particularly the RNC, because they seem to have a very good data operation that they had identified, ID'd their voters, and gotten those voters to the polls. Um, They had seemed to have a, what I would view as a poor strategy that was well executed, meaning a strategy that probably would not have won this election, probably would not have gotten them to the finish line, probably would not have gotten them to the Electoral College. But they executed that strategy and they got their voters to the polls anyway. Trump's strength and as well as their ability to win the close Senate seats as well as not, uh, stem losses in the House and be able to overcome a lot of adversity, that was well executed. They got their people. They got people out. They got people there with the exception of, let's say, Nevada, where there was a huge surge of Latino votes, um, it seems. And, well, I guess New Hampshire also, where Kelly Ayat lost in the Senate – and in Nevada, where Joe Heck, uh, the Republican, lost to um, uh, lo- what Joe Heck lost his uh, Senate bid to fill the uh, 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 to fill the seats vacated by Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, uh, Cortez Masto she won. By a couple points. Um, And, you know, it certainly seems that that came out of Clark County, huge margin, Democratic margins coming out of Clark County, where Las Vegas is is located. But it seems that the Republicans executed on their strategy. And then Clinton had a strategy, which was to turn out the Obama coalition and then some and, you know, scare people about Donald Trump and hopefully some of those voters. But they didn't execute on the strategy. They did not get the numbers that they needed. And the bottom line is, You know, when you look at elections, you actually have to kind of, as I tell candidates, you got to have a bogey. What's your number? What's the number of votes that you need to win? Because ultimately, it's votes. It's not percentage points. It's not polling. It's votes. What number of votes do you need to win this election? Can you get there? Do you think you can get there? Can you put together enough votes in order? Are there enough people? Look at the data. Look at the registered voters. Look at the number of people out there. Are there enough people in these demographics you want to appeal to, whoever it is, you know, if you want to – Appeal to Latino voters. Are there enough Latino voters to get you there? Do you need African-American voters? Do you need – how do you get to that number? And the Clinton team just did not get to the number. Now, whether they – and it seems that they made a concerted effort to kind of stay within their comfort zone, to stay within that coalition, to turn out those voters instead of going after white working-class voters in order to do that. Um, One more point from the introduction is this is that it just the whole thing was kind of turned on its head the whole uh, from 2008 if you recall in 2008 during the primaries it was clinton versus obama where did clinton excel where did hillary clinton get her votes from hillary clinton got her votes from white working class that was where she won vis-a-vis in that in that epic 2008 battle with barack obama for the democratic nomination she won that Demographic, and this time she just either didn't – well, I mean Donald Trump just crushed her in that demographic. I mean the numbers I saw is 28 percent – Clinton got 28 percent of white non-college educated men. Now, we talked – I talked a couple of times about the angry white men. Are there enough angry white men in this country to go ahead and win the presidency? The conventional wisdom is that there aren't. Well, there are when the rest of the country doesn't vote. In the numbers that they have in equal proportion to the angry white men and angry white men came out to vote. Additionally, Clinton did not do as well amongst women as you one would have expected for somebody who ran ad after ad after ad about how Donald Trump was anti-woman. So either the ads didn't work and it just doesn't seem, it just seems over and over with that same message Donald Trump is unfit over and over hearing it for months, it you know, it didn't sink in or just reinforce people who were already voting for her. But it doesn't seem to have swayed a lot of people. So let's just, uh, now given that introduction, given where, where we stand, um, let's just look at the state of things right now. And the Republican Party is, if you will, in the best shape that it's been since 1928, it controls all three branches of government. I Meaning Republicans were Republicans coming in, let's say if you had to look two weeks ago, Republicans were going to lose the Senate. Almost certainly, right? They were going to lose the Senate. They were going to lose Illinois, which they ended up losing. They were going to lose New Hampshire, which they ended up losing. They were going to lose, well, Indiana, which they ended up winning. They were going to lose North Carolina, which they ended up winning. They were going to lose Wisconsin, which they ended up winning. They were going to win Nevada, which they ended up losing. So... That all in all, and a Hillary Clinton victory, of course, made a tie. Tie game goes to the Democrats. That didn't happen, which is quite incredible. Um, the Republicans did lose seats. I think it's 51-48 now, looking at the uh, – with one, uh, 51-48. Of course, Louisiana has a runoff system, so they don't have uh, – they don't elect anybody yet. Um, but uh, – <clears throat> You have three candidate you have multiple candidates, the top two go into a runoff, usually held during December. I'm not sure the exact date. But either one either way, that's not gonna change control. The Republicans lost two seats, Democrats gained two seats. In the House, Republicans retained control. There was talk, go back a month, that the Republicans were going to go ahead and lose. They were gonna lose seats. Well the Republicans are left with two hundred thirty nine. Still a majority. You need 218. So they're 20 over. Okay, they lost, I think, a dozen seats. And what we're looking at now is, you know, they lost some key races, but Clinton did not have the coattails that one would have expected for, Republican, for, sorry, for Republicans to lose the House. So the Democrats had a pretty decent election. When you think about it, 2016, I mean, it was a decent election. Of course, everybody's despondent, and they say to themselves, wow, what happened? Woe is to us. We lost the presidency. They, I got to say, the, woe is to you for losing the presidency. Woe was to us for losing the presidency. Woe was to Clinton for losing the presidency because by all accounts, by all metrics, she shouldn't have lost. But again, she won the popular vote. Democrats picked up seats in the Senate, though not a majority. They picked up seats in the House, though not a majority. They won some key races in the House. But Clinton didn't have the coattails that one would have expected. I mean, look at New York, for example. Okay, there were a number of seats that were considered to be in play because of the Clinton surge that New York would have huge numbers out for Hillary Clinton. Yes, they said huge. And that didn't materialize. They... Didn't have that surge, right? Lee Zeldin in the 1st District was supposed to go down because of huge Clinton votes. Yes, the Republicans had an uphill climb to take Steve Israel's seat, the retiring Steve Israel, on the North Shore. Tom Swazi versus Jack Martins. Jet, three-county race, Suffolk, Nassau, and Queens. And Martins fell short. Swazi wins, I think, by six or seven points. Um, let's see the exact one there. And... Um, <clears throat> Swazi wins by five points, actually, in that race. And but, uh, Obama, uh, but the nineteenth, John Faso versus Teach Jeff, Jeff Teachout, Democrats were expecting to win that seat. John Faso ends up winning by about thirty thousand votes, pretty large margin. Tom Reed was supposed to be imperiled. He ends up winning by about forty thousand votes in New York. Elise Stefanik was supposed to be in trouble. She ends up winning by, I. About ninety thousand votes. Okay, Claudia Tenney, three-way race with a two, you know, with another Republican, independent Republican, running in there. She ends up winning by seventeen thousand votes in a three in a three-way race. John Katko is supposed to be in in New York. Okay, he ends up winning by by sixty-two thousand votes. Trump's strength relative in uh, outside of New York City. Was quite remarkable. Trump did the best in Nassau County, New York. I think of any Republican, I probably since it, New York was carried in 1984. So, uh, lost Nassau County by about four points. Won Suffolk County by about five points, and cleaned up upstate, aside from a few, a few counties. So, Republicans have what to cheer for in the fact that these House seats ended up staying in Republican hands in places they were actually supposed to go Democratic. One <clears throat> key race, it was really a battleground battle race in New Jersey, interestingly enough. Northern New Jersey, Scott Garrett, Republican, and held the seat um, in a suburban slash rural district, northwest New Jersey. Um, a lot of people uh, probably in our listening audience, so live in that, uh, I think, represents part of Teaneck and Bergenfield, or possibly just Bergenfield. Scott Garrett... Um, a staunch Tea Party-type conservative, probably more conservative than uh, than most northeastern Republicans, was unseated by a Clinton White House staffer, I believe, Josh Gottheimer, very well-funded from the Clinton network um, and represents a lot of Bergen County and the rural part of, North East, of northwest New Jersey. And Gottheimer just pummeled um, Garrett on a number of – you know his very conservative social stances, um, and really ran. I was actually on his email list. I'm not sure I got there, but when I get these emails, when I ha- when I, st- I I keep them. I read them because I you know I like the politics of it. I like listen- I like reading how people are positioning themselves. It's always interesting reading. And this guy was relentless with his uh, with his emails and his communication to the district. So the fifth district was really um, was really interesting. In that, that was a flip of a of a seat that had been held by Garrett I know for as long as I can remember, probably two decades. Um, and Scottheimer won by about ten thousand votes. I'm not sure if Garrett has conceded yet. That's unclear. I don't know where exactly what that what happened. Okay, let's kind of jump into things as far as you know. We talked about the House. We talked about the Senate a little bit. You know, um, big question mark in the House right now. Will Paul Ryan? be, remain speaker. He had the ambivalent attitude towards Donald Trump. I'm sure there are some, the knives are always out in Washington. The knives are always out for different people. I hope that Paul Ryan will remain a speaker. I think it would be very self-defeating. It would be just incredibly self-defeating for the Republicans to come in and then have a messy speaker's fight. I'm sure some people are want it, but there is no heir apparent. There is no person with the gravitas, with the Ability to hold together the conference like Paul Ryan. We saw it last time when Boehner resigned. There was nobody else step forward, and it was only Paul Ryan kind of by acclamation, that had to go. Now, will House conservatives, will the Freedom Caucus feel emboldened by Donald Trump? I'm sure they will. No question about that. They are going to want their due, if you will, for supporting the party's nominee while Paul Ryan essentially sat in the sidelines. But um, no question... When it comes down to it, from my point of view, that Paul Ryan is the policy foil to Donald Trump, that he is the guy with the big ideas. You know, Trump is the guy with the big message, but Paul Ryan is the guy to put some of these things into practice. And the country does need reform. The country needs major reform tax reform, entitlement reform, uh, infrastructure. Deficit reform. I mean there's so much that we need to do and to accomplish over the next four years or over the next two years. And with one party, maybe perhaps that can happen. I mean we need health care reform. I mean the the big – I think a big issue here in this race and a big thing is the fact that these Obamacare bills, renewal bills became due – And for many people, it's just unaffordable. They're just, you know, it's supposed to be the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act is essentially unaffordable for many middle-class people. You can't deal with premiums going up 20%. Obamacare as a experiment did not work. Of course, they don't acknowledge that. Bill Clinton acknowledged it. But the Democrats didn't really want to own that, of course, because it's a terrible campaign message. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. Why do you want more of the same? But that gets into our big theme. And we'll – let's break down the presidential race a little bit while we have. I mean why is it that Hillary lost? And if you think about it, um, you know – well, the big, with, the big number why Hillary lost is 6 million fewer people voted for Hillary Rodham Clinton than for Obama in 2016 than voted for Obama in 2012. If you're a Democrat, you have to be thinking 6 million people. I, you know, it's not Donald Trump. It's Hillary Clinton. And this election became a referendum on both sides, it seems. Meaning Republicans and Democrats how they view how they view Hillary Clinton. We thought, of course, sitting here, it was going to be a referendum on Donald Trump because he's so he's such a huge personality. He's you know, he, he fills the airwaves. And I think the Clinton team was hoping it would be a referendum on Donald Trump. That's why they continually ran these ads over and over. Donald Trump is unfit, the, the button, the daisy ad, the nuclear ad. Over and over Donald Trump is unfit. But the problem was is that most people, it seems, or at least most voters, felt that Hillary Clinton was incredibly unfit to be president. I you know, don't always speak about myself, but I will now. I'm one of those people. I did not vote for either candidate. I felt too uncomfortable to vote for Donald Trump. In New York, I had the luxury of doing that. But I couldn't bring myself to vote for Hillary Clinton. I didn't want to wake up on Wednesday morning and see Hillary Clinton as president. I just didn't want to. It, 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 I, I'm sick of the Clintons. I was sick of the Clintons. Did I think Hillary was was more qualified? Yes, I think Hillary was more qualified. Do I agree with her on pretty much anything? Probably not. Plus the fact I think she's corrupt to the core. I think she's a liar. And a lot of people said that over and over. I mean so many people around here just said you can't vote for her. I I agree. I couldn't vote for her. I didn't vote for her. I didn't tell anybody else to vote for her. I didn't feel that she was (laughs) – I don't think she's a particularly good candidate. In fact, you know, my big – Takeaway for this election is why did the Democrats nominate her when you knew she had huge liabilities? Going, It's usually the Republicans that make the mistake of nominating the person who's the next in line just because they're the next in line. Well, the Democrats did that. They coordinated her. And despite all the liabilities, nobody came forward. The only person who came forward at one point was Joe Biden, and he was pushed out. In fact, he was pushed out by Barack Obama. I mean that's a fateful meeting. If people recall into the political history here – That Joe Biden was going to run. He made signals that he was thinking of running. It was out there. The Clinton people were killing him. And they brought in a – had Obama go out there in a Rose Garden ceremony basically to ease him out of the race and to push him out. They got to be thinking, big mistake, huge. Because look at Bernie Sanders who – a 70-year-old socialist from Vermont – Was the more exciting candidate in the Democratic primary than was Hillary Clinton. But the establishment, kind of as the Republicans usually do, this is – the Republicans usually are the ones with the establishment that pushes a candidate. The Democratic establishment pushed Hillary Clinton. I don't think the Democratic primaries were rigged. Clearly, she got more votes. But – they pushed Hillary Clinton forward as it can despite all the flaws, despite her incredible unlikability. Imagine if you had a likable candidate running against Donald Trump who was historically unlikable. If you think about it, from my point of view, and I have said this before, the only person – these two candidates were made for each other because I think the only person who Donald – the only candidate who Donald Trump could have beaten was Hillary Clinton because she was so unlikable. So unfavorable. And the only person that Hillary Clinton could have beaten was Donald Trump because of the same reason. And they both would have gone to the office, and Donald Trump will go in as the most unfavorably viewed president in history since polling, since we started polling. And Hillary would have been the same thing. But she did underperform. I mean, she didn't campaign outside of her comfort zone. She didn't go to places that she went in 2008 in the primary. She didn't go to rural Pennsylvania. She didn't visit Wisconsin. Now, it would seem that Wisconsin hasn't gone but just because of the historical precedent that a, country, a state hasn't gotten, why are you not going there? She, these con- the concerts, I mean, they're great, okay? You know, I'm, not, not to, I'm sure there are a lot of people, like thousands of people coming to the concerts, but Donald Trump is right. People went to his rallies to see him. People went to her rallies to see Beyonce. Now, maybe they voted, maybe they didn't. Who knows? Well, it seems that a lot of them didn't vote or at least people weren't motivated to vote. But, when it came down to it, this was a referendum on Hillary Clinton, and everybody was expecting it to be a referendum on Donald Trump. But the truth is, why not take a chance on Donald Trump because you Hillary Clinton is the known quantity with Hillary, you know what you're getting you know what you 're getting with all the issues. Maybe Donald Trump be something different than people expected, and you know that was a but her her lack of appeal outside of the cities, outside of the suburbs in rural Pennsylvania Hillary Clinton. Donald Trump won seventy one percent of the vote, seventy one to twenty six. Mitt Romney only won fifty nine to forty. That speaks to the strength of Donald Trump and the appeal of Donald Trump in the rural areas amongst lower educated whites, versus and and Hillary Clinton's weakness. There's no question about it. In Michigan, that number was sixty two to thirty one, with people with no college degree versus forty four to thirty three. Mitt Romney only won by eleven points in Michigan. Those are huge numbers, and it wasn't made up in the places that the Democrats expected to win. They did not get their turnout. The Republicans got their turnout, which would have been, which would not have won them the election in a normal situation, but Hillary Clinton underperformed. There's no question. And the only person, and I'm not, this is not an excuse. This is actually an indictment. I mean, I I feel that this is political malpractice on the part of the Clinton campaign. You have to turn out your voters. That's the bottom line. Campaigns are a business that goes out of business on election day. The only thing the campaigns are made for is to turn out votes on election day or before election day with early voting. That's the only reason you have a campaign is to do perform that function. The Clinton campaign did not perform that function. They just didn't do it. So, and what about the polls? Well, look, it seems that the polls were off. Of course, remember every poll has a margin of error, but in the end, you could have polls and people decide not to vote. Some people are motivated, motivated. The polls showed that Donald Trump voters were more motivated. And they were, in fact, more motivated to come out for their candidate. And the bottom line is change cells. The one poll that a lot of people didn't, you know, we didn't think about over and over is that this country is headed in the wrong direction. And many people feel that way. Seventy percent of people feel that way. Kellyanne Conway got on TV over and over. The country is headed in the right. That was the Trump talking point over and over. The country is headed. This is a change election. People care. People want change, and people did. And so the bottom line is: if you really want change, and you think about it, do you really want another another four years of Obama? Which I say the third term of Obama, or you know it's the third term of Clinton? That's not exactly a change election. Hillary Clinton was the wrong candidate for this. No question is the wrong candidate. Mike Pence, great pick for Donald Trump. His first hire, brilliant. Now, the rumor is, is that he didn't want him. The rumor I wanted Chris Christie. I don't care. Mike Pence solidified, and, and he became much more of a Trump convert than I would have expected, and a lot of people would have expected knowing Mike Pence in his career. Mike Pence was a great hire. He solidified. Donald Trump's appeal to conservatives and to evangelicals. They voted for him. Did they vote for him because of Trump? Probably not. Did they vote for him because of Pence? Probably. He probably delivered the Indiana Senate seat to Todd Young. Now, Indiana closes their polls very early. And I have to say, in, the, in my head, when I started hearing it, was working on Election Day on other stuff. In my head, when he won that – when they called that race already, right, pretty much right away, that Senate seat – I was thinking that white voters, white Midwest, middle-class voters or low or working-class voters were voting for the Republicans. And that was probably – Indiana could also be a bellwether for places like Wisconsin, Michigan, and the like, Even and Pennsylvania, similar type of demographic. And you, you saw that already, and you're probably thinking, okay, yes, the Clintons obviously didn't can't contest Indiana, but the – Democrats did in the Senate. Evan Biden is an institution in Indiana. He was expected to win. We talked about it in the past as being a a key race and definitely thought that that was going to happen. But when that came in, that was an interesting one. That was a bellwether result for us. So just a couple vignettes now here at the end because this is just a fascinating fascinating result here in politics. John Kasich, the Ohio governor, did not, as we know, did not endorse Donald Trump. He stayed away from Donald Trump. He had scheduled a speech for today in DC to outline a new Republican agenda post Trump. Well guess what? He had to cancel that. We're not post Trump at this way. At this point. Um, and let's see. Let's see what can happen. I mean there's big there's big promises on the parts, you know, Trump says he's not going to touch entitlements. He's going to spend trillions on veterans and infrastructure. At at the same time, he's going to deal with the deficit and he's going to give tax cuts. Let's see what happens. There's a lot outgoing. Now, of course, let's not forget the end of the month. You have the Trump University trial going forward in California. And Eric Schneiderman, uh, the New York Attorney General, also says he's not going to drop his Trump University suits. So... It's going to be a colorful four years, I think, to say the least, for the president-elect Donald J. Trump. At least another colorful two years dealing now with Supreme Court nominees with the with the Republican Senate as well as the House. And Repo- Trump is going to find, you know, remember, you need 60, th- 60 senators to do anything in the Senate. Let's see if he's able to deal with Washington in the way he dealt with the electorate. So, thank you very much. That's spin class for this week's. Stay tuned for Jew in the City Speaks with Allison Josephs here on the Nahum Siegel network.